0: $5 minimum balance required.
1: Shawn Michaels tends to say whatever comes to mind, so we just put a mic in front of him. All you do is talk, 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 talk. This is Shawn Michaels' stream of consciousness, the podcast that gets into, well, just about everything. Feeling stupid? I know I am. From 680 The Fan and PodcastPark.com. It's showtime, and I don't mean a bad impression of HBO. I mean time for a show.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? It's John Michaels, and it's time for another stream of Conscious Podcast. A lot to cover today. Marcelo Zuna, since the last time we talked, is continuing to be an Atlanta Brave. John Collins could be on the move. I've got some great advice for men and women alike when it comes to Valentine's. Also, we had some fun talking about President's Day and making executive orders around sports. Bad parking in grocery stores, it's got to stop. And if you could trade one for a lot of bad years, would you do it? That's all to come here on the Stream of Conscious podcast. This is John
1: Michael's Stream of Consciousness.
0: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words. It's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.
2: Guys, we appreciate you listening to this podcast each and every week at thepodcastpark.com. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Literally the way I thought about this podcast and how I wanted it to work out was pretty simple. I really wanted this just to be coming off a weekend. Here's what I'm thinking that's happened over the last week. Well, since the last time we spoke about two weeks ago, the last time I was able to put one of these together, we had a Super Bowl champion crown. Congratulations, I guess, to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a Falcons guy, it makes me absolutely want to throw up in my mouth that they now have two Super Bowls and the Saints have a Super Bowl. And we're still sitting here 40-some-odd years later without a Super Bowl trophy in our trophy case. We also had Marcelo Zuna, and this is the big one I really wanted to dive into, signing with the Atlanta Braves. Last podcast, we covered the need for Atlanta teams to go for it. And it's something that this city has not done in a long time. We kind of chronicled the go-for-it moments. It was Julio Jones. It was the trade for Michael Vick all the way back in 2000. You could say in the 90s the Braves continued to go for it, whether it was bringing on board a Gary Sheffield or going out and signing pitchers to try to augment what was already a great team. But it seems like over the past decade, there haven't been a lot of go-for-it moments. Now, UGA had their go-for-it moment. They're going to fire Mark Rick. They did. Brought in Kirby Smart. Second and 26 probably stopped you from getting the national title that you were looking for. This Braves team, though, a year ago was one win away. They were up three games to one on the eventual World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. And as we played this offseason out, I watched the Mets make moves, and I watched the Yankees make moves, and I watched the Dodgers go out and add a guy like Trevor Bauer and get even better than they already were in a dominating starting rotation. And I did watch the Braves make some moves that make them a better baseball club than they were a year ago but they weren't really the jump out there and go for it moves we were looking for. That was until late last Friday, not this past Friday, but about eight days ago, that Marcelo Zuna and the news broke that he was going to re-sign with the Atlanta Braves. Four years, $65 million, team option for the fifth year. This is just the, this is the epitome of Alex Anthopoulos being a kick-ass general manager and doing things that Braves fans really need to appreciate. I think us in Sports Talk Radio, we get caught up a lot of times in what needs to happen to make our, our franchises, our college programs, whatever it may be, better. And Alex Anthopoulos has continued to do that here in Atlanta, making prudent, shrewd moves that many people should be excited for. I would have personally given Marcelo Zuna, not out of my pocket because I don't make Matt Chernoff money, but I would have given him three years and $60 million. That would have been $20 million per but it kept coming out during the offseason that Marcelo Zuna wanted that fourth year, potentially a fifth year. We had heard a six year being involved with his negotiations. Now, six year became silly. To quote my man Chris Domino, that became silly negotiations because you can't go six years on Marcelo Zuna and have him under contract for any type of big money going into a six year at 36 or 37 years old. That wasn't going to happen with anybody. Unfortunately, with Major League Baseball dragging their ass about the DH rule, we didn't know what the market was going to be. And when a Nelson Cruz came off the market and goes, I believe, to Minnesota, signs a deal there on a one-year deal, knowing that he's basically a designated hitter only, I started wondering was that what was going to happen with Marcelo Zuna. So rewind for a minute and go back to Eduardo Perez. He spoke probably in December, and I know Finn Sandra and I played this cut a few times on the program, where Eduardo Perez said, wait a second, Marcelo Zuna was a gold glove outfielder a couple of years ago. And yes, last year he looked stiff, he looked out of place, but the sample size was 19 games playing in left field. 19, that's it. In 19 games, we thought Jeff Francoeur was going to be the greatest baseball player ever, and this isn't a knock on French. He had a really good major league career. In 19 games, uh, I think Austin Riley had hit about 12 home runs, and we had, holy cow, we've got the second coming of Mark McGuire at third base, and then teams figured out how to get him out. So my point to that is 19 games in the outfield is not the be-all, end-all from Marcelo Zuna. You have to imagine this guy also heard the entire offseason that he stinks as a left fielder, and he can't play. And I think Alex Anthopoulos played his hand perfectly when it comes to this. He played his hand pretty simply that we're not going to rush out there and give him money in November or December. We're going to allow the market to kind of dictate what we're doing. And as we sit here just a couple of days away from pitchers and catchers reporting for the Braves, I think it's pretty simple. Marcelo Zuna became that piece that puts you in the mix with the Dodgers and the Padres to come out of the National League and represent in the World Series. This is a World Series team. Do not mistake what the Braves are. It's a team that it's literally World Series or bust. It is time to cash in. You've pushed your chips in the middle. It is time to cash in and try to win a championship. Now, don't get me wrong. Can Freddie Freeman maintain an MVP level? That's a huge ask, although we know Freddie's been Mr. Consistency at first base. Can Travis Darnot follow up what was an unbelievable season behind the dish But remember, it was 60 games and it was a shortened year. Can he do that over 162? How about, you know, uh, guys in the outfield? Christian Pache probably going to get a chance to play a lot more center field than he had in the past. Ender Inciarte is he worth the $8 million or can you find a taker for him? Can Ronald Acuna go more on the right side of where he was a year ago than some of the moments where he was struggling and scuffling throughout the year? You still have to figure out the back end of the bullpen. Obviously, Mark Melanson now moving on to San Diego. Shane Green still sitting out there as it stands today. Who knows who the closer is, whether it's Will Smith, whether it's Tyler Matzik. I don't know how uh, the Braves are going to deal with that right now. But in Alex Anthopoulos, I trust. All I know is this. Marcelo Zuna coming back took me from a level of about a 6 out of 10 for excitement to a 9 out of 10 for excitement. Think about that for a second. You have got the middle of your lineup, Mr. Mix It Up, Mr. Have Fun, Mr. You know, Mr. Everything, and now you have protection for Freddie Freeman. Now you have a guy in the middle of the lineup that, if you extrapolate his numbers from a year ago, could easily be a 35 homer and 110, 115 RBI type of guy. That's what you needed in the middle of the lineup. Now, beating the Dodgers is going to be a bear. But remember, a year ago, You didn't have Mike Soroka. You didn't have Drew Smiley. You didn't have Charlie Morton. Guys that you trust in October to turn and hand the baseball to. Beating the Padres not going to be an easy task, but again, if I get a healthy Mike Soroka after adding that pitching depth, I get Ian Anderson who was three and two with a buck ninety eight ERA in six starts down the stretch, getting a full year of work. I get a Bryce Wilson who seems to have a lot of confidence now, a Kyle Wright who seems to have a lot of confidence. I feel really good that maybe I can move one of these guys to the back end of the bullpen and find me a power arm. All I'll say is, Alex Anthopoulos, thank you, because you have now got the spring and the summer sports, a place where Braves fans, A, we can't wait to be back in Truist Park, and B, with Marcelo Zuna in the middle of the lineup, they have become must-watch TV. We'll come back. On the other side, it's time to talk some John Collins and Atlanta Hawks and what's going on with them here on the Stream of Conscious podcast.
1: This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness.
2: So we roll into about the second third of the season for the Atlanta Hawks, and things are not quite going the way we all thought they were going to be. They're currently sitting outside of the playoffs. Now, I get it. The bottom of the Eastern Conference is a muddled mess between the Knicks and the Heat and Charlotte and Orlando and the Hawks, a bunch of teams that are really trying to find their way. The problem is the Hawks were supposed to be finding their way right now. And unfortunately, what comes out of this week is we start to hear rumblings that John Collins could be a guy that's on the trading block. Now, the asking price is going to be high. They're saying they want a lottery pick plus probably another player to go move on from John Collins. You don't find many 23-year-old power forwards who could be double-double machines, and I'm talking about 18 or 19 and 10 rebounds, and be a guy that shoots around 50%, shoots it from downtown very well, and could get to the free throw line. The only real knock on John is the fact that he doesn't play a ton of defense. Um, But that is something that if you put him alongside a good center or somebody that can be a rim protector, even more so than Clint Capella, you don't have to have as much defense out of John Collins. Here's the problem with this ball club. And you can rewind all the way back probably to game number five when there was the reports from the Athletic and other places that there was a blow up in the locker room between John Collins and Trey Young. Number one problem, health has not been there. Danilo Gallinari's been banged up. Boogie Bogdanovich has been banged up. Chris Dunn, haven't seen much of him. Tony Snell's been in and out of the lineup. Rajon Rondo's been in and out of the lineup. You know, there's been a lot of guys that were expected to give you a lot of veteran leadership and presence on the floor who just quite frankly aren't out there giving it an opportunity to be on the floor. Second part, Lloyd Pierce has had no pressure. And I, like Coach Pierce, have had many times to talk to him. I think, and I use the word think, I think he's the right guy for the job. Think about what he did in Philadelphia. Very well respected for his time in Golden State. Players love him. The problem is this team is just not really getting better. Now, I give him a pass a little bit right now because, again, you go back to the injuries. You paid a bunch of money to Gallinari to come in, and he's been just okay at best. He's You've paid a bunch of money, obviously, to guys like Boogie Bogdanovich who was hurt a whole bunch, and he was supposed to be better than he is when he's on the floor. But sitting in where the, the Hawks are at 11 and 15, and the really disturbing trend of them having a lot of games where they're blowing double-digit leads, something's amiss. Don't And, and I, I'd be remiss if I don't mention DeAndre Hunter, who now is going to be out six or seven more weeks and had really become a nice little piece for them. Think about Gallo. Gallo is playing 18 minutes a night and averaged 10 points a game. I'm sorry if I pay a guy 17 $18, 19000000 million. I need more than that. Bogdanovich has only played in nine games. average in 23 minutes, he's only given me 9.9 points a game. John Collins becomes a very tradable piece, and the reason he becomes a tradable piece is pretty simple. John Collins becomes tradable because he's young and cheap right now, and he turned down a $90 million extension betting on himself a year ago. Here's the problem. We talked about this on the front row with Finn, Sandra, and I. You cannot start maxing guys out when you're not a team that's getting those results. I had arguments many times with many different people talking about the NBA. I think there maybe should be 15 max guys in the NBA. When we know who the max players are, it's a Steph Curry, it's a LeBron James, it's a Kevin Durant, it's an Anthony Davis, it's a Giannis Antetokounmpo. These guys are max players because they're difference makers on their team. LeBron James, you stick, you could stick LeBron James in Serbia and they will contend for an NBA title. You put Anthony Davis next to a LeBron James, they become basically unbeatable with the Lakers. Same thing with Giannis. If you took Giannis off Milwaukee, they're a lottery team. Like, they're a bad basketball team. Same thing with Steph Curry, and I get it. They're not winning today because Klay Thompson's hurt and everything else. Steph Curry is willing Golden State in the locations where they have opportunities to win games night in and night out. John Collins ain't that dude. And this ain't a knock on John. I love John. He's from West Palm Beach. We used to hoop at the same place. Gun Club Park in West Palm Beach is where him and I grew up playing basketball. Now, we about 25 years apart, about 10 inches in stature. He's an NBA player. I'm a sports talk radio host, so that's where the comparison ends. But point being, he's a good dude. He's not a max player. But what I've also realized in the NBA, there are teams that will be willing to give him a max deal. So if you're the Hawks, and he's a restricted free agent this upcoming year, and what that means is pretty simple. Somebody can sign him to an offer sheet. The Hawks will then have like seven or ten days to decide whether they're going to match it. If these conversations are true, it lets me know that the Hawks are seriously considering moving on from John Collins. I put out a fantasy trade today. If you're the Hawks, I'm calling the Toronto Raptors right now and saying, look, John Collins, and we're probably going to have to send something with him, maybe one of our picks, for Pascal Siakam. If I can get Pascal Siakam on this team, hell, they could have Danilo Gallinari while they're at it. Now, they'd have to give us something in return, maybe a Kyle Lowry or somebody along those lines to make the money match. But if I could get Pascal Siakam for John Collins and then some, you know, again, if we have to sweeten it with a first-round deal, do it. Siakam is a difference maker. John Collins is an all-star, fringe all-star level player, he's not a difference maker. You're not winning an NBA championship right now with John Collins as the number two as this team is currently constructed. And that's why this group was put together. It was to win an NBA championship. It was not put together to, hey, we made the sixth seed. Because being from that like four to 13, actually four to about 11 in each one of the conferences, it's the black hole of the NBA. Because you get stuck in one of those spots, you don't get a high enough draft choice to get yourself a lottery pick because you're not bad enough, and you're not good enough to catch up with the Lakers and Toronto when they were really good, Boston when they're good, obviously what's going on with Utah this year. You're not good enough to get there, and as currently constructed, the Hawks are just not good enough to get there. No knock on the Hawks, that's just fact, Jack. John Collins is a guy that I would keep taking phone calls on. I would find out is there's somebody I can get for him and then let him go to another team and deal with trying to pay him 25 or $30 million a year. No disrespect to John. We love you, bro. You're not a 25 or $30 million a year player. And again, this is not me digging in a player's pocketbook. It's just the fact of what that usually is. $30 million a year, guys, better get me Steph Curry and get me in an NBA final. The other part to that equation is after next year, you're going to have to max Trey Young. And Trey Young's going to get 35 or $36 million or whatever the max deal is at that point. He's going to get every dime of it. Difference is he averages 28, 29 points a game and nine dimes, not 18 and 10. That's what the Hawks are up against right now, and that's why I am on team Find a Trade and Make It Happen. I'm also thinking right now you overpaid for Gallinari and you're really not going to like that deal in a couple of years. Um, and, and there's potential right now that Trey Young, while he's a really good scorer, I don't know if right now he's the guy that's going to lead you to where you need to get to. I got some advice right now for Valentine's for men and women. I know Valentine's just passed over the weekend, and I hope all of you had a great time. But I've seen a really, really disturbing trend on social media. seriously disturbing trend on social media where have the expectations for 20 somethings or teenagers become so utterly ridiculous that people get shamed for only getting flowers and candy and taking a woman to dinner or flowers and a small piece of jewelry and taking a woman to dinner Why have men now become shamed that they're not spending buying Birkin bags, buying red bottoms, all of this overly expensive nonsense that the, I guess the culture that's going on right now says that we should buy. I'm a happily married man, been married almost four years now. I bought my wife a nice little diamond necklace, something, you know, from one of the jewelry stores. Uh, it, It wasn't overly expensive. It wasn't easily cheap either. We went to a really nice dinner at Ocean and Acre up in Alpharetta, had a really good time there. And guess what? She was super appreciative. My wife reciprocated the action. I had broken a pair of my black diamond earrings. I do still wear black diamond studs. Judge me if you want to. She bought me a pair of black diamond earrings and I love it. And it was simple. What an overly expensive gift. It was the thought that counted. But I see stuff on social media first and foremost, and I'm realizing this the older I get. I'm on social media partly because of our job. I love being on Twitter at John Michaels U, having conversations with fans, talking about sports. I'll argue about anything because that's what we do in this business. But I've also realized the longer I'm around, the less I like being on social media. I never post on Facebook like the only thing I have a Facebook for is I have my high school football team. We have a group. It's probably 40 or 50 of us that played at Palm Beach Lakes High School that just talk. And, you know, some of us have gone on to different careers and we have guy talk and everything else on there. And I'm in a flag football group for all the guys that I played eight man and six man and seven man flag football with. That's really the only reason I'm on Facebook. Outside of that, I sell some stuff on Marketplace and I leave it at that. Instagram, I'm not gonna lie. I follow a bunch of hotties on Instagram because that's what men do. I don't post a lot of pictures anymore of my wife and kids and it's not that I don't like posting them. It's just there's too many people intrusive on our lives on social media. I don't need somebody commenting on my children or my wife because then I'm gonna get in trouble with my job. And my point to all that, the Valentine's advice is, do what does best for you and your significant other. If you're a guy that can only afford a $50 dinner and the woman doesn't appreciate you spending a $50 dinner on her, you're with the wrong woman, period. I could have taken my wife, honestly, to five guys and sat down and ate two fattening burgers and had a great Valentine's because I'm with the woman that I love and she's with the man that she, she, uh, she loves. I see too many of y'all trying to impress if you've been dating a girl two months and you're out here spending thousands of dollars, what we called that in the 80s and 90s was a duck or a simp or something like that. And then you're posting it on social media. I've seen guys that are taking $100 bills and turning them into flowers. Again, I don't know what business you're in. If you got it, spend it. But if you ain't got it and you're trying to floss and you're spending rent money and everything else during a pandemic to impress somebody, you're a duck. Or you're stupid, or you're one or the other. And women, from the flip side, if you are expecting this and the guy can only meet you halfway, either tell him the truth and move on. But why the hell are y'all out here embarrassing dudes the same way? It drives me crazy. It's the younger, it's almost the gotcha mentality. I, I've got to show you everything that happens, I've got to get you and show you how bad I really am. I just don't understand it. I'm thankful my daughter's got a really cool boyfriend who did simple things. He made a picnic basket. He lit candles. He bought her a teddy bear. They're teenagers. And you know what? She smiled from ear to ear. Never once did she post it and go, oh, this is all he got me. Why has it got to be like that? Ladies, men, stop it. Stop simping and turning into marks on social media. Like, it looks so stupid on Valentine's Day. All this buster got me was this. Well, now you embarrass yourself because you look like a gold digger. Or, oh, I got, all this girl got me was this. Well, now you look like an idiot as well. Love the person you're with. We need more of that. My advice for Valentine's, do what you can afford and keep your ass off social media. The end. You and the other should be happy. Enjoy your time behind closed doors. All your boys and all your girls don't need to know how your Valentines went down. We had some fun on the front row a couple of days ago, or actually this morning, talking about making executive orders in sports. And I got a couple I want to run through. had some great responses on our text line and tweet line, and and everybody hit me up at John Michaels U, having a lot, a lot of fun. For me, there's a couple of things in sports I have to change. Number one, I'm a college football guy. You guys all know that. I have to go to an 18 playoff. And I know the people that go, wow, these games are blowouts, this, that, and the other. That is all fine and dandy. That all sounds great. Uh, The problem is right now there's about six teams that are going to make the college football playoffs, and that's it. You expand it to eight, you probably can put that out to 20 that have a realistic shot at getting into the playoffs. Here's what I do know. This is actually going to happen sooner rather than later. Like, legitimately, this is going to happen Within the next couple of years when the deal is up with TV, we're going to get to eight and people are going to moan and bitch and complain and everything else. And then a couple of years from now, they're going, man, let's expand this to 16. Nick Saban talked about, you know, the college football playoffs and how it's really minimized bowl games. And I've seen a trend. We've all seen it for the last couple of years where kids just don't want to play in bowl games unless they're either one of the new year six or they're one of the college football playoffs. And even the New Year's Six, you've seen guys go, yeah, I'm good. I know the Orange Bowl is awesome, but I'm not playing. Hell, Florida had like 16 guys opt out of the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, which should have been a really, really good matchup. That's the trend that's going to continue with guys that don't make it to the playoffs. Because if I'm somebody sitting right there, what the hell would I do? Why would I want to go play in the Blue Bonnet Bowl and get a swag bag with a watch and everything else and potentially ruin my NFL chances or potentially ruin next year for me, whatever that may be. So an 18 playoff would be one of my first executive orders to go to the NBA. Sandra and I were talking about this and getting a good laugh out of it. The end of an NBA game is one of the most annoying, time-consuming things you would ever have. How about in the last two minutes you get one timeout? How about let your players make some damn plays on the floor? And how about get rid of the stupid you take a timeout and you're able to advance the ball to half court? How about you do that in the NFL? All right, I have a timeout to spare, so I punch a timeout and I advance the ball to midfield? It's stupid. It's stupid. The game always starts in the backcourt, and you have to advance the ball all the way down to go score. Why in the last two minutes of an NBA game can I use one of my 73 timeouts, punch a timeout, and move it forward? I would absolutely change that. Limit the timeouts, get rid of that stupid advance the ball rule, and be done with it. While I'm talking about the NBA, screw the NBA draft lottery. I get it. It's for TV. It's utterly ridiculous. Worst team gets to pick first. Why am I the worst team in the NBA? and all of a sudden I pick sixth or fourth or whatever the lowest is they can pick. No, you're the worst. You pick first. If you choose to tank, so be it. Philadelphia trusted the process forever and never won a damn thing. Why the hell do I care if the 76ers tanked for three or four years? As a saying that I used to say, that's a them problem, not a me problem. Them problem, not me problem. A couple of other executive orders I would cash in. Universal DH is, is a no-brainer. I've been screaming for this for 10 years. I don't want to see Mike Soroka or Max Fried hit. Not saying they can't. I'm saying I would rather see Marcelo Zuna or Austin Riley or Kristen Pache or whoever the hell ends up DHing for your team come up and get their swings as opposed to Mike Soroka going up there flailing away. Pitchers don't know how to bunt. Get rid of it right now. A couple other things I want to get rid of in sports my executive orders. Um, Figure out what a damn catch is. I don't need to know a football move. If a guy catches the ball and lands on two feet and then the ball comes loose, it's a fumble. Period. I don't need, oh, let's throw it, slow it down to one 100th time, and this guy made a football move, and that's going to determine whether he had the ball or not. No, that needs to go away immediately as well couple other things I'd get to. NCAA tournament, uh, keep it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Moving it this year is utterly ridiculous. I don't need that to happen at all. I don't need Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Because I'm telling you now, Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to miss the back end of those games. Speaking of college basketball, one and done's got to go. It's literally, you need to go to school, and if you're there, you're there for three years. But you should be able to, leaving high school, determine that you're going to leave because the game has died. Let's be honest, Georgia Tech basketball, when I moved here in the late 90s, I couldn't wait to go to the Thriller Dome to see Georgia Tech basketball. Part of that was you got to know these kids. I can't tell you 10 kids in college hoops because I don't have the interest in watching. Yes, my school, Miami, we suck. So I vaguely watch their games. I can't name five kids on Duke. I used to be able to give you Dukes one through nine. I can't name five kids on North Carolina. Now, is that an indictment on me? Yes, but it's also an indictment on the sport. The sport has died, and the one and done's been a big part of killing it. You want to also do that? move the start of the season back until december or january i don't care about the out-of-conference games i don't care you know when you play hawaii Hilo, or, or you're playing uh, uc irvine those games don't excite me get right to conference and let's bang this thing out. you want to have two or three non-conference games in late december fine i don't need games in november because it gets lost in the shuffle as well those are some of the executive orders i would have i'd get rid of A lot of the stupid instant replay, I would replay stuff like penalties. Pass interference penalties are too much game changers to allow that to happen. Take a break. When we come back, I got to finish this up. Bad parking in grocery stores needs to stop. And if you're a Georgia fan, would you make this trade? We'll talk about that next. This is John
1: Michael's Stream of Consciousness.
0: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business
2: back on the stream of conscious podcast and i was talking about bad parking and uh driving into some of these box grocery stores or box stores do people not realize when the parking spaces are slanted a certain way that's the only direction you're supposed to drive down that aisle why do i constantly run into the idiot that everybody's going one way but he he figures he's going to be smarter than the rest of us and turn down the wrong way Like you people, and I'm calling out you bad parking people, need to have your license yanked from you. I'll drive into Sam's Club over here on the east side, and it's just an utter free-for-all trying to get into a parking spot. Driving into Publix, they can't figure out what lane to go down. This is why my poor car, my Kia Stinger, I love it to death. I've got dents all over the car, and this is why now I'll park 10 parking spaces away from everybody just not to get my car banged up. But I think there needs to be a point where you got to go through and literally start retesting idiot drivers because we got way too many of them in the city of Atlanta. Another article I ran into this week, and I, I found it fascinating, and I think for Georgia fans, it becomes a very interesting conversation. 2021 now becomes 41 years since the University of Georgia has won not only a Heisman, but a national title. And don't get me wrong. I want Georgia to win. I have so many friends that are huge Georgia fans. Mark Owens, one of my good friends who I worked in radio with for years, is one of the die hardest dog fans I know. Brian Hoyt uh, here, Road Dog Adam Gillespie. I'm talking about die hard, live and breathe University of Georgia football. And I ask guys like this legitimately would you like to turn your program into Auburn? And when I say this, I'm talking about four and five lost years are kind of the regular you know switching out coaches every five or six years gene chizik gone gus malzahn gone now it's brian harson but you know what they have that you don't have they won a national title in 2010 they were in the national title game in 2013 And if they don't give up a fake punt they probably win the national title then if you're georgia would you trade a natty for 10 years of despair 10 years of that You'll have a 12-win year, you'll have a 5-loss year. You'll have an 11-win year, you'll have a 7-loss year. Would you trade a national title for that? Because if I'm a Georgia fan, I damn sure would. And I use this, I use my program, the program I cheer for the U, simply. I got to watch them in my lifetime win five national titles. I've watched them get robbed out of at least two more. If not, I'll, Let me back up. I've seen them get robbed out of at least three more. One in 1988 against Notre Dame. Uh, they got robbed uh, during a regular season game, should have been there. One in 2002, the egregious call against Ohio State. That should have happened as well. Uh, and then in 2000, the BCS computers somehow put Miami out even though we had beaten Florida State head-to-head and they put the Seminoles in, we would have beaten the dog out of Oklahoma. My point to that is I've watched Miami play in essence for 10 or 11 championships over the last 30 or 40 years. Now, don't get me wrong, last 15 years have stunk. Since 2005, we've been pretty crappy other than a a fraudulent start in 2013 and a 10-0 start in 2017 under Mark Richt that had me thinking things were turned around. But I would not trade our history for just about anybody else's. Yeah, I'd trade it for Alabama. The run they're on right now is unbelievable. Would I trade it for Notre Dame? Nope. Would I trade it for USC? Nope. Would I trade it for Florida, Florida State? Nope. Miami in my lifetime outside of Alabama has been the most consistent winner. Now, again, it's been 15, 20 years. So for Georgia fans, we talked about this, and there was hesitation out of some guys. There's no chance I'm hesitating. You get that one national title, LSU won it in 2019, LSU stunk this year. You think a Georgia fan wouldn't trade off 15-0 to go 3-7 and next year? Man, I know Georgia fans would give their right arm to have that happen. I hope in my lifetime I get to see you guys celebrate. No, I will not jump on the bandwagon to be the fake dog fan. I want you guys to win. I'd rather my school win. But I thought that was an interesting conversation, and I was shocked that there were Georgia fans that actually said no to that. They said, nah, I like being consistently near the top. I'd rather lose six games than go 10-2 and two and have my season ruined where I still don't win a damn thing at the end of the year. We got a lot we'll get into next week. We'll dive into the Chili Dip Open as that's coming up. We'll talk Braves as they're going to be getting things rolling. And a lot of interesting conversations about the Falcons as we're starting to get into cutdown day. We're starting to get into the NFL draft and free agency. I believe this team can get themselves into the playoffs in year one under Arthur Smith. We'll get to that next week. Tell a friend to tell a friend. PodcastPark.com, wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, see you. What are you waiting for? Somebody to kiss you goodbye? Well, no, 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 I guess not. Hey,
1: if you haven't already, subscribe to the show and get John's musings on everything from sports to entertainment every week. And check out all our fan podcasts at thepodcastpark.com.
0: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility